Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel, and ladies, I have a question for you. Are you tired of feeling like you're the one putting in all the effort to make your relationships work? Then go to speakingofpartnership.com right now and click on the big red Tell Me More button and find out how you can get men to do their part. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm excited to bring you our featured guest today, Michael Russer. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. It's uh, it's uh, a great pleasure to be here with you. Thank you very much. Now, Michael Russer is an international speaker. He's a TEDx alum, an author, and an intimacy expert. What's really interesting is he's he's also the survivor of two forms of cancer, and along with his partner, he's discovered how to achieve deep, connecting, and mutually fulfilling intimacy in the face of full clinical impetus. He's been interviewed on radio and TV many times. He's featured in, he's actually a a weekly sex and relationship writer for goodmenproject.com, and his articles often appear in major media like the Huffington Post or mariashriver.com. Michael, just take a minute and fill in any blanks from the intro and and give us a little glimpse into your personal life if you would. (laughs) How much time do you have, Ken? (laughs) It's uh, my life has uh, been one continuous adventure. I I have on my wall uh, my my partner uh, created a frame for my four month old photo where I am just like my arms are spread wide. I got a huge smile on my face. I'm ready to you know world here I am. And then I, uh, I, I talk about how life happens and then we, we turn into our, into our worst version of ourselves if we allow that, you know, to pile on. And that's what happened to me uh, until I turned about 60. Uh, and then there was a, uh, in September of 2011, I drew the proverbial line in the sand of my life and I said, you know, I'm done living that way. I, I had very successful careers. I'm a serial entrepreneur and writer, author, speaker, voiceover artist, you name it. But I was not feeling fulfilled. I didn't feel connected. I felt something profoundly was missing in my life. And, and it wasn't until I drew that line in the sand of my life and stepped over it and jumped into the abyss of not knowing what's next and that included ending a 26-year marriage where the last 11 of those years, my wife and I were effectively roommates, which is not uncommon for baby boomer marriages, losing all the friends associated with that marriage because I simply didn't know how to connect with them, and then uh, walking away from a very lucrative career because it may have fed my bank account, but not my soul. And in that process, I, I absolutely committed myself to living very heart open, vulnerable, and uh, authentically. And, and that requires, you know, the willingness to feel everything. Now, what's interesting is that uh, this was a massive transformation that happened literally overnight. And it, uh, it caused people who knew me for years to wonder who I was and how I, you know, I showed up so differently for them. And what's so interesting about this is this happened two months before my diagnosis of cancer. 
And a lot of times what happens with people is they wait for a life-threatening experience, such as cancer or an accident, uh, to re-examine their life. I didn't wait. I mean, well, I did wait. I waited 60 years. But I, I, there was a, I just knew I was, I was slowly dying by being so shut down. And so uh, it's, it's fortunate that I uh, stepped over that line when I did, because if I had been diagnosed while I was still in the state of mind that I was previously, I don't think I'd be here. I think that would have been the final nail in the coffin. You've been to my website. You saw the before and after photos. The before, I looked like my dad, and that was taken at my daughter's uh, graduation from Syracuse University four years ago. And uh, just by choosing to be hard open, I lost 20 years of, of uh, my age and my appearance and my energy and my outlook, everything. Uh, and uh, so two months after that, I, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And that's a big deal because in my family, uh, cancer usually means you're not going to make it. I lost five other members of my immediate family to various forms of cancer. So that was a big wake up. Wow. You know, you're right. I, I went to your website and, and I encourage anybody that's listening to this to do the same because there's a before and after. And I thought they were backwards. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> I looked at it. I'm like, oh, these can't be right. That's obviously the before and that's the after. Yeah, no, no. I, I People typically think I'm in my 40s and I just turned 64. Wow, that is great. So... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I have a 23-year-old son who is decidedly more mature than I am. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm 18. Oh, that's uh, great. Well, what I was going to ask you there is, obviously, you, you mentioned that, you know, you had this, this change of heart, this, this change in your life. Is there like a guiding principle or a mantra or something that, that you apply in your partnerships now? That, that helps you, you know, stay focused? Yeah, there is. It's called be in the moment and learn to feel everything, even those things that may be unpleasant. There is no diode for, for feelings in life. There's no filter that only allows the good stuff to come in. And I avoided, I avoided all feelings because I, I didn't want to feel the painful things. And that basically shut me out from, from feeling anything. And it's interesting because you can be very, quote unquote, successful from the standpoint of society and culture. And uh, I was very successful, uh, international speaker for 16 years. I was at the top of my game, um, started many companies, uh, most of them quite successful, two beautiful uh, children who are now adults and um, uh, live in a gorgeous place, uh, the place of my dreams. And so I, all, on all outward appearances, it seemed that life was working, yet it, it certainly wasn't for me. I was dying slowly. I called it the cancer of my heart. And uh, fortunately, that is 100% curable. All you have to do is make a choice to remove all the armor that we put in front of it to, quote unquote, protect ourselves. So the, the mantra for me is be in the moment and be willing to feel everything. And life's like a series of waves, you know, some waves are just amazing. I'm using a surfing metaphor here, of course, and others will pound you into the sand and rocks and we can choose either to ignore the waves or fight them. And both of those choices, uh, are not very, um, effective 
or we can choose to learn and read their energy and, and surf them as best as we can, knowing that they will pass, whether they're just a wild, awesome ride or a horrible, bone-crushing ride, they will pass. But the key thing here is to surf them, to, to live it, to feel it, and live life fully. And that includes feeling all the stuff that <laughs> a lot of people do anything to avoid. We live in a culture of distraction. And, uh, and people wonder why they have trouble connecting with others. Uh, it's because we're distracting ourselves to oblivion. That's the, that's the 21st century version of Soma from Brave New World. That is our drug, and I chose to stop taking it. I, I love that. I, I mean, the point about, you know, obviously feeling everything that comes through, we do. We avoid as much of it as possible for the most part in our culture. And, but avoiding it is so much work as opposed to going, well, let's see what happens and let's ride this wave and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you for that. That's, I love that mantra. Um, what about this? So one of the things that, that our listeners love about the show is, is the stories that our guests share because they're, they're so much richer than just kind of a platitude. And what I'd love to do is, is dive into one now, maybe even take us to a time in your life when, you know, you kind of tripped up in a partnership and, and, you know, what were you doing? What caused the trip up and and what were you able to learn from that that helped you move forward? Well, yeah, I can take, um, you know, there's, there's, there's no more important partnership than, than a, um, than a marriage partner uh, or lifetime partner. And, uh, my first and only marriage, um, uh, I, the trip up started right in the beginning. Um, I knew, we both knew that we were not perfect for each other. And I think, uh, far too many people settle. Um, and it doesn't mean there was anything wrong with her. Oh my God, no, she was a marvelous, wonderful, and continues to be person. And, but I knew that deep down inside, she was not, um, the right one for me. And she knew deep down inside, I wasn't perfect either. Uh, for her. And, uh, there was a lot of, there was several incompatibilities that eventually wedged us apart. But what really caused the problem was my, um, tendency to shut down and just focus entirely on my work, uh, where I got a semblance of, uh, satisfaction and fulfillment and this incessant drive, uh, to quote unquote succeed. And what that ended up doing is alienating my own family and including my kids and my wife. And, um, and then that develops little wounds that turn into major scabs and eventually a cancer that is, uh, that is terminal. And so, um, yeah, what I learned from that is first of all, when you choose a mate, make sure you're choosing somebody that um, is right for you. It's what's so interesting is, and I, and I did that after, after I pulled the trigger on my marriage, by the way, my, my ex-wife and I both knew we would end the marriage uh, after our son went off to college. Uh, he's the youngest of the two. And so while it wasn't, uh, unforeseen, it was rather a, a, a surprise because when I pull the trigger on things, I pull it very quick and, uh, with great determination. And that kind of surprised everybody how fast I did it. But uh, about a week after I did that, I, I launched myself into what I call my Dream Woman Project. And I wrote 13 pages. I spent several days just 
really searching deep down inside and says, okay, I want to share my life with, with someone. And uh, if, I could, if I could design this person, what would she be like? And so I wrote a 13-page document of, um, of, of who I wanted to share my life with. And then I put it away. And I didn't even date for the for that uh, rest of the year. And then by a very interesting serendipity, and I don't, I just don't believe in coincidences anymore. My current life partner and I, without whom, by the way, there would be no interview. There would be nothing for me to talk about. There would have been a TED talk. There wouldn't be my speaking all over the country now to cancer survivors and their partners. It just wouldn't have happened. Uh, we met. And uh, eventually we became partners. And what's so interesting is that year after we met, um, we looked at that Dream Woman project uh, for a whole different reason. I was going to be counseling some singles on how to you know, look for their partner. And I thought, well, this could be a good document. So I started reading it. And my jaw started slowly dropping <laughs> And I, I called my partner over. I said, sweetie, you got to take a look at this. So she read it. Her jaw dropped. She says, my God, that's me. Ken, we're not talking 80%, 85%, 90 95%. We're talking 100% match. And that's, um, that's the, I attribute that to the power of uh, intention and with a lot of emotion behind it. But I didn't do that with my first marriage. And I remember when, just bef when we were engaged and just before we got married, we, we had this conversation. And we asked each other, well, what do you want out of life? And when I asked her that, she says, I just want everything to be normal. I want the, the proverbial 2.3 kids and a dog and a cat and the picket, white picket fence and the, and the house. I want it to be like Leave it to Beaver, the, like, a, like a Technicolor Pleasantville. And then she asked me, well, what do you want? I says, well, normal is the last thing in the world I want. I'm here to make a difference. Uh, I've been given an enormous amount of energy. I'm uh, not quite sure where to put it, but that's the last thing in the world I want. And it, it occurred to me that my drive and determination, uh, you know, appealed to her because from a, from a purely um, uh, well, genetic standpoint, you know, I, that would mean I'd be a pretty good provider, which I was. Um, and, uh, her groundedness, uh, appealed to me because it gave me a, a form of an anchor to kind of anchor all this, this wild energy that I was came into this world with. But th those things ended up really becoming wedges. And so what can attract you in the beginning often will, will, uh, will, will pull you apart and so it's, 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 abun it's, it's incredibly important to be abundantly clear about who you want to share, who you want to have as a partner. Let me put it that way. Whether it's in life or in business, be really, really clear about that. But unfortunately, too many people just say, well, you know, whatever comes by and kind of catches my fancy. Well, then you're going by hormones and a whole other slew of things that, that may get you excited now, but down the road it's not likely to sustain you okay there were like 800 amazing tips in there <laughs> and sorry. my pen ran out, my pen I ran out of ink so um <laughs> the the one that i that just keeps 
circling around, Michael, for me, is your mm-hmm. comment about, you know, when you look back at the Dream Woman document and you're like, oh my gosh, this is 100% her. Yes. What that speaks to to me is so much of we need to focus on what we are looking for, not what we don't want. That's right. And so That's much right. of our energy is like, oh, I don't want this, I don't want that. Yeah. That's a much longer list. Yeah. Actually, for me, it was, uh, uh, I, I did include what I called the deal breakers. Like for me, a deal breaker would be a woman who is uh, uh, who has a tendency to, to include a lot of drama in her life. That's a deal breaker for me. So I, I would mention those, but not a lot. Uh, other than that, I was very flexible as long as they had these other characteristics. Because I look at, I look at uh, having a partner, again, whether it's a life partner or a business partner, as an adventure. And the other thing, too, that I realized is that, and I didn't realize it at that time, but my partner and I both now see this, is that when we look at people, when we experience other people, it's like looking at the tip of an iceberg. Because our human brain and our egos tend to uh, label everything. Oh, well, she's this way. She behaves this way in certain circumstances. She looks this way. Uh, she has these kinds of tendencies and all that. And so we put people in these little labeled boxes and we do this because it speaks to our need for perceived certainty in our life. Because way back when, um, any perceived uncertainty meant you were probably going to be on somebody's menu that night or your head on somebody's steak. Uh, but we've, you know, evolved past that. But the, the wiring is still there. So uh, I, um, I, I realized that a partner, literally they have almost infinite um, expanse of who they really are if you're willing to see them beyond the labels we assign to them. And so I, I, I yeah, I had deal killers that I said, if, this, if you know, she shows up and has this, um, that's just not going to work for me. But I was more interested in what I was looking for in terms of qualities. Uh, and then the rest would be an adventure, which is exactly how it's turned out. Um, my partner and I have been together now for three and a half years. And I challenge if there's any, anybody, if there's two other people that know each other as, as well as we do, yet every day we can look at each other and see something new. Now that is pretty incredible. We're looking beneath the surface. Yeah, that's, that is incredible for sure. Let's do this, Michael. Let, let's switch gears a little bit. What I want to ask you to do is share with us a story of a time when you had what I call one of those duh moments. You know, when you were like, how did I miss this? How was I such a knucklehead? And just give us that detail of what happened when you had this wake up moment. And how did that become a building block for your future partnerships? Uh, well, one, uh, we'll go into a uh, business situation here. Um, I remember one of my companies, I brought in a so-called silent partner and everybody kept telling us, you know, you guys need, really need to have a written agreement. And he was a friend. He was a very good friend. And, and in some case, in some respects, a mentor. And, uh, but he kept hands off completely and uh, let me run the show, which is probably the only way I would have done it. And we built up the company to be a pretty good size. Uh, but when it came time, I, and he, had, he had no, well, whatever money he had invested in it, I paid back within three months. Uh, 
So he had no financial uh, uh, risk involved at all. And then when we tried to buy him out, he suddenly became a very unsilent partner. We had no agreement whatsoever uh, dictating how a buyout would happen. And uh, as a result, it got pretty hairy. We almost went to, went to lawsuit. And uh, uh, what's so interesting, though, is, is that, like anything, it ended up being a, um, a blessing. I always look at the challenges as a blessing. There is a blessing there always, somewhere, if you're willing to be open to it. Instead of focusing on how you're a victim, say, okay, this is what it is. Now what's possible here? What's so interesting is that our attorney said, well, you've got to act like you don't want the company. That way it'll put you in a better negotiating position. So my, my wife and I started the company back in the mid-80s and and this was uh, early 90s, about 93, and, and uh, we started talking about it. And, um, and I, I, I got to the point where I really was kind of sick of the business anyway. <laughs> so I said, you know, I really don't want the business. <laughs> so we went back to him, and the attorney saying, boy, you guys are really good at this. I, no, 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 we really don't want the business. Tell him he can buy it from us. <laughs> and so he, uh, he did that. And then it turns out the partner didn't want it because he, he wouldn't know how to run it without me. Um, which is another mistake, but that's another whole deal. But anyway, uh, it turned out where we just liquidated the company, uh, and, uh, my wife and I had a pretty good chunk of cash and we took two, I took two years off to figure out what was next in my life. And that's how I became a speaker. But that's, yeah, that one right there, the dull moment is, uh, I don't care what kind of relationship you have with somebody uh, in terms, at least in business, uh, you better have a written agreement because we're human beings and we each get to see, we, 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 we have a subjective view on life regardless uh, uh, how intelligent, how aware, how conscious somebody is. It's still subjective. And the written agreement that is unambiguous as possible will uh, mitigate most of those issues. Yeah, that, that is definitely a great illustration of that. And, you know, Michael, one of the things it reminds me of is so often in, in business, but in all partnerships, what we do is we assume we understand what the other person is in there for. Right. And, oh, of course, he said he'd be a silent partner. That's good. Great. He, why would there be any problem? Anything else? He's no financial interest. We bought it. We already took, covered that. We're all good. And he maybe had a different agenda when he went in in the first place. We don't know. Yeah. Because we make those assumptions. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. You're more than welcome. So what I'd love to do now is is explore a story of one of your proudest moments in partnership. And what I mean by that is what's a partnership moment that when you think about it, it just makes you smile? Oh, God. That's easy. Uh, that's the, the, the partnership I have with my current life partner by far. Um after about nine months after I was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, and then I had surgery and then follow-up radiation, I still have the cancer. And, I, and since then, I've acquired another one, uh, not quite as serious as the prostate. And uh, as a result of all those treatments, I was rendered fully and clinically impotent, which for most men is like a fate worse than death. I've actually had men treat me as if I were contagious. I've had men come up to me and tell me point blank to my face uh, that they would rather die than have happen 
to them what happened to me, which is, uh, I, it just, at this point, I just shake my head going, you have no idea what you're missing. But anyway, um, uh, but that's how we're wired, you know, you know genetically and culturally. And I get it. I understand it. So uh, about nine months after all that, I, I find myself in this situation where um, I was angry. I mean, I, I was faithful during those last 11 years of my marriage, even though we were celibate. And now I'm, I'm able to, now that the marriage is over, I'm able to legally and morally uh, have a new relationship. And now I find myself, I can't get it up to save my life. I go, you've got to be kidding me. I, I, there was times I literally looked at the, looked at the ceiling or the sky and it was like, I was trying to shout at God, you got to be effing kidding me after, after staying faithful all that time. And now I, I, what, you know, I mean, it was like, I was, it was, it was beyond being incredulous. I was furious. And, uh, you know, you go through these stages, right? And unfortunately, most men end up getting stuck in despair and because they feel they're no longer men, and it, which is oh, it's so unnecessary. And part of my mission work now is helping those men and their partners go, get through that. Uh, so anyway, about nine months after all that, I, uh, uh, I meet my partner. And we didn't, you know, we, we started out as friends. I was on my way to Brazil for three months for another reset in my life. And uh, it, it turns out that she was from Brazil. And so we kind of hit it off right away. But we started out as friends. But I knew I had to have the talk with her. Once it became clear, we were likely to become more than just friends. You know, I'll put yourself in my position. I had not been with a different woman other than my wife in 30 years. It has now been 12 years since I had been intimate with any, any woman or anything for that matter. And um, I now have to have the talk with her, basically telling her I can't get it up to save my life. You know, you still want to work with me on this. And uh, that was, you know, I, you, have, you know, that's where authenticity comes in. You know, there's no hiding this fact. And uh, I still remember her sitting on my couch and sun streaming in. Oh, my God, she looks so beautiful. And, and I pointing down to my crotch, and I said, sweetie, this isn't working. And it may never work. Are you willing to explore other ways of being intimate with me? Not having a clue what that meant at the time. And she said, of course. And that's when we, uh, and of course, the, uh, the whole uh, TEDx talk get, goes into detail, uh, excruciating detail about our first uh, intimate encounter and how I hadn't quite given up the notion of being able to perform for her. <laughs> and I finally got to the point of surrender to what is, and that's when the heavens opened up and have continued to open up um, beyond our wildest dreams or imagined uh, possibilities. And so, yeah, um, the willingness to move forward despite the challenges, despite the setbacks, despite what our culture says that uh, how I should feel about myself as a man now because of the way my equipment doesn't work. And uh, we just, we both moved forward with this. And I found out much later, she had never been with a man who had erectile issues. And I asked her, I says, what made you say, yeah? She says, I'm adventurous. <laughs> and that's a big part, I think, to success in life is willingness to be adventurous because that invites the unknown. It invites, but with the unknown, with the uncertainty, you invite possibilities that aren't even on your radar screen. And that is exactly what happened for us. So that is by far 
one of my proudest moments. That and the, the, what that point in the, that in the TED talk where I surrendered, which is not what I expected. I thought all was lost at that point. I thought it was all lost, and then I surrendered, and that was a huge, huge shift for me and and us, my partner and I. Wow, that that's beautiful. Yeah, and and again, anyone listening. Uh, if you have the chance, definitely go look up uh, Michael's website and, or just go to TEDx Talks and you can find Michael Russer there. And it's really an inspirational, inspirational presentation he does there. Um, so, Michael, we've been talking a lot about past experiences in partnership. And I, I want to bring the conversation to the present. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what, what's one partnership that is really exciting in your life right now? Well... Um, you mean other than my life partner? Uh, yes. Oh boy. Well, I, I don't know if I would call it a partnership, uh, but in a sense it is, it's an implicit partnership. I, um, I get booked to, uh, to speak at a lot of, uh, Gilda's clubs and cancer support centers, uh, around the country. In fact, I just got booked in four different events this week alone. And uh, I speak pro bono. I'm, I'm a $10,000 keynote speaker, uh, but I donate my time to them. Uh, and, uh, and then on the, uh, the issue of regaining intimacy in the face of, of cancer. So it's, it's for cancer survivors and their partners. Cancer has a huge impact on intimacy in any, uh, in any intimate partnership. Uh, it could be body issues. It could be just the effect of the of the treatment. It could be any number of things. And we share our story. I try to bring my life partner with me. She's also a speaker uh, when possible. But uh, we share our story and show them exactly what we did and how we turned those challenges into um, the biggest blessing we had, we could have ever imagined and beyond, and that there it's completely replicable by anyone for that matter. And, uh, so, uh, while not a formal partnership with these groups, um, it is an implicit one and I'm thrilled that they give me the opportunity to share the story because it's something I'll continue to do until the day I die. And, and I would like to thank you for, for doing what you do for those groups. Uh, I've had numerous uh, people in my life that I've lost to cancer and, and went through a lot of that process, uh, unfortunately, over and over again in my life. Uh, so I, I know the huge impact it has, and I've seen the, the way it can just absolutely decimate a partnership. Yes. Um, so thank you for, for providing that and, and giving your time and energy to, to those groups and those people. Well, thank you. I, I, I will say um, I get as much out of it as they do because it's a reaffirmation of, uh, first of all, I can't do those without my heart being open. So it's another invitation for my heart to be open, and which is probably the most important exercise I can ever have. And, uh, and it's a... Um, it's a sense of uh, giving uh, that that uh, I find extraordinarily fulfilling, much more so than any business success I've ever had. Wonderful. Well, Michael, we've actually arrived at what I call the bring it all home portion of the show. And this is where we actually step away from the stories and we provide simple, concrete guidance for our listeners. So 
Well, they can improve their partnerships right now. And where I'd like to start is, I'm wondering what is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received from someone else? That I've ever received from someone else? Um, boy. I can I honestly can't say because none of the partnership advice I've ever received was all that useful. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I have not received uh, particularly good advice from others. I, I can share what my partner and I have learned that I think would have a big impact. But I honestly, the advice I've gotten from a lot of people actually, um, in, in many cases, uh, contributed to um, some of the problems I ran into uh, in my first marriage. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if you can remove the restriction of from somebody else, I can answer this question. Well, I, I will remove it, and I actually want to thank you because you've brought to light the aspect that uh, one of the things that happens for lots of folks, right, is, is they're following this advice, and it's not good. Mm -hmm. It's not helpful. And yeah. because it comes from someone they may have put on a pedestal or feels an authority, they defer to it. Right. But, yeah, I'd love to hear what, what you've found out for yourself then. Yeah, uh, and, and, and uh, just, to, uh, just to kind of add to what you just said, one of the most important things you can do, I find, at least, I, I, again, I can only speak for myself, is taking full responsibility for how life shows up. And that means not just giving everything over to a so-called authority, whether it's me, somebody else, a presidential candidate, and let's not go there any further, uh, and so on. And uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, you know, we're, a lot of the problems we're seeing in society today is from uh, relinquishing our, our uh, uh, right to take full responsibility. So getting back to a, um, uh, the relationship advice, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, with respect to the bedroom, um, never, ever, ever allow the word performance to cross the threshold to the most intimate of places uh, for uh, intimate partnerships. Instead, replace that word with presence, being fully present, which means no distractions, no goals, no agendas, other than to be fully there for your partner, both in the giving and the receiving. And uh, this, this goes against just about everything taught in our popular culture, including the pharmaceutical industry and the porn industry. Um, and ironically, taking this kind of approach uh, will yield results that far exceed anything that... Um, that uh, most people can even imagine. And so that's, that's, that's the first thing. The next is to be very authentic and vulnerable and heart open with your, with your partner. Establish a base of emotional intimacy first, because that I have found is the, the absolute rock foundation of any relationship that has any chance of making it. And with that emotional intimacy, it's uh, it's incumbent uh, to have full authenticity, including saying things that you think might hurt the other person. Uh, you can position it in different ways, but if it needs to be said, it needs to be said. 
and uh, and then learning to not take anything personally. I I had a um, a friend who was in her early thirties who came to me for some advice uh, about her relationship, and she says, you know, I want to tell this boyfriend of mine how I really feel, but I'm afraid. I says, why? She says, well, what if he doesn't feel the same way? I says, well, what if he doesn't? Well, then, you know, my heart will be broken. I said, really? Is it your heart that will be broken or something else? She goes, huh? I says, consider this possibility. Consider the possibility that your heart can never be broken. Your heart is never needy. Your heart uh, can't be hurt. And it only exists, it's the true essence of who you are, and it and it and it's only exists to give and receive love unconditionally. It can never be touched in a way that it will be harmed. But the one thing that is concerned with all those things, like every moment of our life, is our ego, our false self. Our ego is totally concerned about being hurt and, and abandoned and rejected and, and trashed and, you know, is always needy and all these things. So I said, if he does come back and he gives you the answer you don't want, imagine stepping back as your heart, your true self, watching a slow motion train wreck as your ego gets mangled. You'll still, your, your body will still feel that pain. You'll still have that physiological response, but you won't take it as personally. She called me the next day. She says, Michael, I'm, I can't even remember what you said, but it just worked beautifully. <laughs> so it's a context that uh, people can choose to believe or not. No contexts are true, but some are just more empowering than others. And so my partner and I choose to, to, to believe the context that we are not our ego. We are our hearts and our hearts can't be broken. And that uh, with that, it gives us a safety net to be very authentic and very vulnerable. And that requires the willingness to feel pain within the partnership. Otherwise, eventually, the partnership won't make it. Well, I'm glad I took off the, the restriction in that question. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> thank, thank you so much. <laughs> you bet. Quick question. What book or resource would you recommend to our listeners, and, and why this particular resource? Yeah, one in particular called The Presence Process by uh, Michael Brown. He's a South African uh, writer. And he talks about uh, how, to achieve being, how to achieve becoming in the present moment. Uh, it was instrumental for me, um, one of the most important books I've read. And, uh, you know, if people have a hard time being in the present moment. They're always thinking about something else. They're, when they're, uh, I mean, you, you know, the, the other side of that is if you go to any restaurant, you see two people who supposedly are, you know, partners texting uh, while they're at dinner. And you don't know whether it's to each other or somebody else, but my God, you know, that's hard. That's the antithesis of being present. So his book, The Presence Process, um, had a profound impact on me. And that is one I strongly recommend to uh, everyone because the ability to learn to live in the present moment has so many benefits uh, in and out of partnership uh, that uh, is too numerous to even go into here. You know, I've, I've heard of that book many times and I've yet to read it. So you just reminded me to add it back to the top of my list. Um, but yeah, that's that sounds like a very, 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 powerful resource and you yeah. know it's it it's occurring to me clearly you have so much to share 
What I would love to do is let our listeners know how can they contact you? How can they learn more about what you do, Michael? The best thing to do is just go to my website. I don't sell anything. Um, I uh, just go to my website, uh, michaelrusserlive.com, and you'll have access to my TEDx talk there. Uh, I post all my articles. It's got to have close to 80 articles there now. And I also voice over my articles. Uh, I haven't done them all, but uh, they can listen to many of the articles as well if they choose to do it that way. And then contact information is there as well. Fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, your stories, your insights, they have been so powerful. I know personally I'm being just totally motivated on seven different levels at once here. Uh, You know, from our conversation, I'm sure listeners are having the same experience. I just want to really thank you for being on the show today, Michael. Well, Ken, it's been my pleasure. Anytime I can get to share this story, because it is a powerful story. I mean, just standing outside of myself, it is. It's a powerful story. Um, I, uh, I, I always take the opportunity, and, and thank you for giving that to me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day, and remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.